thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today I'm going to be talking to you about what does it mean to find your joy again, finding joy again. And the whole purpose of Jesus raising from the dead was not just just to save our souls. It was to save our souls, but it was not just to save our souls. It wasn't you come to Jesus and you're saved and now, hey, just hang out until I come back. Sorry, I'm, I'm out of here. It wasn't that way. But he saved our souls so the resurrection power of his life would live in you and would live in me. And we could see it. We read in Revelations 1.18 Jesus says this, I am he who lives and was dead. In other words, he's alive today, was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of Hades, which another translation is of hell and of death. So this is the theme of this series. Jesus stands before you this morning, my friends. Stands before each of you and says, I hold the keys to the hell that you're going through. I hold the keys to things that are dying or dead in your life. I hold the keys. And he wants to transform you. He wants to help you in the midst of your hell. And he wants to bring things back to life. But actually, there, there are probably people in this room that are, you are very much alive, but you're actually dying on the inside. Something has happened in your life. It's left a, a hole in your heart. It's, it's left something, a void deep inside of you. It's hard to describe actually what it is. And I want to talk to you today about this issue of joy. This isn't particularly about a situation, and I know there are situations. I know there are storms you go through. I know there are things you struggle with that rob that joy from you. But I want to talk to you about, and a big picture, how can life affect the joy that is inside of you? So the hard times in your life, which we all, anyone had a hard times here ever? Okay, good, good. We're in good company. If you have any hard times, you need to pray for us, okay? If you've never had them, please pray for us. But when you have hard times in your life and you couple that with an enemy who wants to destroy you, with an enemy who wants to, to use the things in your life that you're going through to try to get you to doubt God, to try to get you to lose heart, to try to get you to, to, to just say, give up, I quit, I'm out of here. When you couple real life, man, I wish I could, again, I wish I could stand here and say, you guys, life is beautiful and wonderful. Once you come to Jesus, everything is okay. And you're never going to have any struggles. You're never going to have any storms. You're never going to have any bad news. Your bank account's always going to be full. You're, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You're, you're always going to drive a new car. You're always gonna, your, your refrigerator's always going to be state-of-the-art and with stainless steel. I wish I could tell you that. But guess what? It's not true. It's not true. Once we graduate into eternity, then we won't have any more worries. Once, but until then, we're in a fight. And we're walking this thing out. When you have the, 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 the hard times of life with an enemy who wants to discourage you, make you bitter, and rob your joy, it can be a struggle. I want to talk to you about this issue of joy today. 
I think the greatest tragedy in life is not physical death. As a Christian, it's not. It's living life without joy. That's a tragedy. I mean, we should be the most joyous people on the planet, but Satan wants to keep you from walking in that joy. And I believe through the resurrection power of Jesus, we can find joy again. And the joy that has been lost in our lives, we can find it again. This life that God has for you in his kingdom is summed up by Paul, actually, in Romans chapter 14, 17. It's actually, there's three key words here. I want you to see it. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat. Though I like to eat, it's not a matter of what we eat. What we drink, it's not a matter of our consumption. In other words, it's not a matter of the new car, the new house, the full bank account. Do I believe God can bless you? Absolutely. Is that what this kingdom is all about? No way. But it is of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These, these, this is what the life of a follower of Jesus looks like. This, these are the things that from the resurrection of power that you can live a life of goodness, a life of peace, and a life of joy. These three words, goodness, peace, and joy. This is the life I want to live. This is the life I want you to live. But in particularly today, this life of joy, if we were honest, actually, and uh, hopefully when we come to church, we are honest. But if we were honest, we would say that we would all say that you could actually lose your joy kind of quickly. It's kind of, it, have you ever woke up in the morning and thought, man, today's awesome, and then one little thing happens, and then you feel like, wah, wah. It's like Eeyore, you woke up as Tigger, and you realize you're Eeyore. That's funny, actually. But anyway. <laughs> there are thousands of ways that we can lose our joy, circumstances, or our own decisions. Jeremiah, the prophet of God, said this in Lamentations 5.15. The joy of our hearts has ended. So it's possible to lose your joy. This might be where you are today, or if you've, or maybe you, you, you've gone through a time when you thought this was my life verse. You thought woke up in the morning, said of your life verse, 20, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that God, you have for me, plans that prosper me, give me a future and a hope. And, and then you're like, you just replace it with this one, the joy of my heart has ended. That might be where you're at today. Maybe you might feel, you know, you're right, Jason, I'm just not the same. I'm just not as passionate about God as I used to be. I just feel like I'm going through the motions of life. I, I just don't have the, the, the pep in my step like I used to. My, my smile just, it, it's, I'm trying. But if you could see behind, behind my smile, you would know I'm not joyous. I, I want you to know God brought you here to speak to you today. So, though it's easy to lose your joy, and it can be easy to lose your joy, it's actually also very easy to get it back. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. It's as simple, it's practical. So here's the question for you. If you've lost your joy and the resurrection power Jesus lives inside of you, how do you find your joy again? How do you find it again? That's the question. How do you find your joy again? I think the first thing you have to do in order to find your joy and walk into the resurrection power of Jesus is one, you have to acknowledge that I've lost it. You have to acknowledge that you've lost it. So you can't recover something until you realize you've lost it. 
This can, this can be a challenge to us Christian folk because we think if we admit we've lost something, then we're, we're admitting we're not perfect. We're admitting we're not human. We're admitting that actually I, I'm, I, I have struggles in my life. This is hard for church folks. And what I've found is that most people, not, not our church, most people in other churches are too proud to admit that they're human. <laughs> not our church, though. And it's kind of like, for, for if you men are anything like me, listen, I lose my wallet about, out of the seven days, I lose it about nine times a week. And I can't find my wallet until I realize I don't have my wallet. For some of you moms, maybe you, you've, you've been in a, a, a store and you've been walking around and you thought, what's missing? And then you realize, my child's missing. <laughs> you can't find your child until you recognize my child is gone. And so you have to evaluate your life and you have to ask yourself, have I lost some joy? Has there ever been a time in my life that I was more joyful? I believe God wants to take us to a new journey, and I think he wants us to take a step, and let's allow Jesus to help us find our joy. God is waiting to help you today. This, this message is for you. David prayed this in Psalm 51, 12. He said, restore to me the joy, everyone say joy, of my salvation. Notice David doesn't say restore to me my salvation. He didn't lose his salvation. He says, restore the joy of my salvation so you can be saved, delivered, set free, speaking in tongues, and still be lost your joy. You could still be lacking joy in your life. So you need to acknowledge that you've lost it. The second thing you need to do in order to, to find your joy again through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is to examine the cause. Examine your cause. How did you lose your joy? What, ha what happened in my life? How did I lose my joy? What or who or when was there a pin stuck in my joy balloon? When did I begin to feel the joy seep out? Or did I just find myself one day realizing I'm without joy? Because so, here's the deal. Joy doesn't leave your life. It just doesn't walk away. And you don't know where it goes. Things happen to you. Things happen to every single one of us. And for us to stand up here and say things don't happen, issues don't come up, you don't go through stressful times, you don't go through challenges, as we've already said, it would be false. But things happen. Issues with people happen. Actions that we commit and do rob us from our joy. And there are many things that can rob us from our joy. And this is... There are, there are very practical but very important things here. Many times we look to the outside to find out how we lost our joy. But many times we can look at our own decisions and our practical circumstances. Everyone likes to, to, to try to fight the devil. I'm not saying you don't, you don't do that. The reality is, yes, we have an enemy. He's, roaring around like a, he's walking around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. I understand that. But many times if you will take a practical evaluation of where you're at, you can find some practical things. 
I want to look at just a few practical joy killers that could maybe be affecting your life. The one thing is this that could rob your joy, suck it right out of you, is an unbalanced schedule. I know this is incredibly practical, but these are some of the things I'm processing in my own life. It's an unbalanced schedule. Two, two extremes of this unbalanced schedule, overworked or underworked. Some of you are always giving. You're always pouring out. Maybe you're giving out all the time. You're loving people. You're always caring for people. You're always sharing of your life. You're trying to be a peacemaker. You're trying to keep everybody happy around you. You're trying to fix the brokenness in people that you are around. You're giving, you're giving, and you're getting nothing back into your life. And when you do this without balance, you find yourself totally fatigued. And actually, there's a name. This happens a lot with caring people. It's called compassion fatigue. You give, you give, you give, you give, you give, you give, and you get fatigued. You give so much of your time and effort that you have nothing left. And when that happens at that time, what happens is you actually stop caring. Your gift of caring, your gift of loving actually stops, and you stop caring about others. You stop caring about yourself, and you stop caring about God. You get numb. Or the opposite is, is all you do is take in. You never give out. You never serve. You never die to yourself. You, you, never, you never find yourself and realize, I need to do something with my life. Here's the deal. God did not intend for, all, for us to just receive. He made us to also pour out. It's the Dead Sea principle. Anybody ever heard of that? The Dead Sea is a dead sea because it has no outlets. It just consumes, consumes, consumes. There's nothing that flows out of it that allows that water to be fresh, and therefore nothing is living inside of it. You need to exercise your spirit. You need to give back. This is how God's de designed you to be. Ask yourself, do you just receive in your life, or do you also serve and give out? I would have to say that those who serve and give out to others by serving in a ministry or joining a small group or leading, leading a group or serving in, in children's ministry, there's something about their lives. They're far more gracious than those who aren't serving and aren't giving. Those who just take in all the time, those who don't give out, those are the ones who, for some reason, they're the most critical about everything and everybody, the church. No matter what's in their life, there's a criticalness about them because there's no flow out from them to serve. And these are the people that, uh, that I guess, spiritually, they just receive. So they get spiritually fatter and fatter and fatter, and they just keep taking and taking and taking. And then actually, wait, it's, it, in order to get you kind of in the building, we kind of just have to roll you down the aisle and, and prop you next to your seat. I think that's where the term holy roller came from, actually. <laughs> God designed us to take in and to give out. <laughs> this is where this, there's, a, there's a saying that I found. It says this, impression, impression, without expression equals depression. Impression without expression equals depression. Balance is very important. Just like in your diet, you have to understand, just like in your diet, balance is very part, important. You gotta have carbs and vegetables, proteins, fats, and chocolate. Without any one of those, <laughs> you, you, you're not gonna be happy. You're gonna suffer. 
without every one of those. This is one of the things we're actually really striving to do in our new season here at the church is finding God's balance for the season. To create an opportunity to bring balance for all of us. To simplify things so that we can receive and give out. We can have worship experiences, ministry experiences, serving experiences, outreach experiences. This is what we're striving to do as the leaders of really praying, God, what, what, do you, what things do you want us to do so we're not so busy that we can't receive. And we're not just receiving. We're so busy receiving that we can't give out. It's the balance. And the other thing is this, is your family. You're a mom, you're a dad, you're a brother, you're a sister, you're a worker. All this, you got to have this balance in your life. So be praying for us actually as a church that God would help us see the ministries that we think this is a great ministry to receive and this is a great ministry for all of us to give out together. Just be praying for us. So an unbalanced schedule will cause you to lose your joy. Another thing that will cause you to lose your joy and you have to examine yourself about is an unused talent or an unused gifting. There have been seasons in my life that I, I, was, I was doing something and it just wasn't my, my gifting. I was walking in another gifting and I was not using the gifting that had it given me. And I, found, and I felt this emptiness inside of me. So when you have something in you, your passion, your heart, your gifting, and you can't use it, guess what? It depletes your joy because God gave that to you to exercise and to use it to serve. And what happens is that you deplete your joy, and then, and then what happens if you're not using your gifting, you get frustrated, and then you start blaming the people around you on why you can't use your gifting. But the reality is you have to take responsibility for how God has made you. No one else can take responsibility for how God has made you. You are the only one who can choose to live your life in an unfulfilling way. And you'll never actually find a job that will ultimately fulfill you completely. So don't leave here today and quit your job. But take whatever is left in your gifting and use it in ministry. Use it to serve. Use it to, to, to sacrifice. Give of yourself. No job will ever fulfill you completely because God doesn't want your job or position to become an, an idol or your identity. So he'll never allow that to happen. You can chase it your whole life. You're never going to find a job that just ticks off every box about who you are and all of your gifting. No. He wants, he wants to be the reason you wake up in the morning, not your job. Now, if you're at a job and if you're, lose, if you're using like 20% of your, of your gifting, then it's, a not, it's not a good fit for you. Life is short. It's not the job that you need to blame. It's, you're the one who said yes to that job. They just posted it. You said yes. You need to know this. Money is not more important than you using the gifting that God's given you. This, this is difficult. This is where you, the rubber meets the road. What am I going to do then? But here's the deal. You start making a plan. You don't quit that job tomorrow either. You start making a plan. How do I walk in my gifting? Who has God made me to be? Another way that as you examine your life and you've realized some of the practical things in your life that, that maybe have been depleting your joy, and this is a big one for all of us, is this, an unresolved conflict. This is a big one. Has anyone here, let, let's just be honest, has anyone here ever had an unresolved conflict that robbed your joy? Raise your hand. Man, you guys are messed up, my goodness. 
<laughs> we all have. Anyone ever had a conflict on Sunday morning right before you come to church? With your spouse, with your child, with a friend, with your brother, with your sister. And you come here and you, you just, your whole way here, it's just the whole drive here, man. You could, you could hang a rack of beef in the back. It's so cold in your car. You just drive on in. You see your breath. You walk in, you don't say a word. You just come on in. You hit the front door, greet the greeters. Hello, how are you? God bless you. But on the inside, you can't, you can't engage with God in worship. It's difficult for you to, to receive when the, from the word being preached. It's, 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 it's a difficult thing for you because it's an unresolved conflict. Or this happens and you go off to work for the day and during the week and you just, you just can't get joy because you know there's an unresolved conflict along the way. You try to have joy but it just won't happen. This is what we need to do as Christians. We need to make peace so that we can receive our joy. Paul says this in Romans 12, 18. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Boy, and that's a tall order, isn't it? In other words, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. In other words, you can't control other people. But you can control you on a good day. So for some reason, we try to control other people. And if we were really honest, we'd say, listen, on a really good day, I can control myself. What in the world makes you think you can control other people? Now, some of you on this unresolved conflict ties, some of you are around people that create conflict in your heart towards other people. When you're around them, there's, there's something that seems to rub off on you because they're always talking about other people. And you find yourself picking up their offense. That ever happened to you? You find yourself picking up their negativity. You leave a conversation and you feel like, I feel nasty and I don't even know why. You feel like someone's dumped all over you. They're cranky, they're bitter, they're gossipy. And you leave the conversation just feeling like you need to take a shower. And somehow that their unresolved conflict has because you sat and you listened to them spew bitterness all over you and put doubt about people in your life and you've heard over there over and over again. This is this is what you need to do to them. I'm going to give you permission as your pastor. This is what you need to do to them. Avoid them. Stay away from them. Nothing in the Bible says you have to hang out with cranky people. Nothing says that. Now you need to love them. And you need to look for opportunities to, to minister to them. But when they start throwing up on you, just excuse yourself. This unresolved conflict, nothing robs. One, this is one of those things, nothing robs your joy more than this unresolved conflict. And we like to say, okay, must be because of this, must be because of that. Sometimes we need to look on the inside because the resurrection power of Jesus wants us to live at peace as much as it depends on us that we can possibly do that. It takes God's grace and his power to allow us to do that. Another thing that can allow you to lose your joy and to be depleted from your joy is this thing called an undernourished spirit as well. We live in a world that is set on attacking and draining your spirit shriveling your heart and the joy out of your life. You need a plan to feed your spirit. I talked about this last week. I'm just going to mention it one more time. I, last week I said, listen, I'll give you the 10-minute challenge to sit in a quiet place, 
Talk to God. Read his word. Confess your weakness. And you will start receiving God's dream for your life. Also, you will start receiving God's joy for your life. Worship for me is another area that I, when I sit with God and when I feel my joy depleting, I, I begin to worship God. I begin to lift my voice and just declare his name. I will open up to the Psalms and just begin to, to sing the songs of my own. It doesn't matter if you can sing on key. Just sing unto the Lord and worship. And what happens, it breaks something off of you and releases joy in your heart. And while you're doing that, you find uh, your spirit, your soul begin to be nourished. If you're just to be alone with God and it's God, I love you. Lord, I worship you. God, I exalt your name. Lord, you're all I want. You're all I seek, oh God. You're my peace. You're my joy. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you, Lord, in my life. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. Lord, you're my only hope. And I commit to you. It just changes that atmosphere. And your spirit begins to be nourished. Ask yourself, is my spirit undernourished? Am I growing? Am I growing through prayer? Am I growing through worship? Am I growing through the word? Am I growing through the time with the Lord? Another thing that is a big, big joy killer in your life is this thing called unconfessed sin. This will rob your joy quicker than anything. We don't, we don't confess it to God. We don't confess it to any, anybody else. We don't confess it to ourselves. We don't come to grips with it in our own lives. Now listen, this, this, isn't, this is not about murder. This is about, this can be about anger, gossip, pornography, slander. Be about doing something dishonest, our thought life. When you don't confess these things to God, it piles up until it, it poisons your heart. Then your guilt, this is what happens, then your guilt robs you of your confidence that you would have in God. It robs you from your joy. You can feel the drain. It's, it's just there. It's the guilt. The only way to get your joy back is to confess your sin. It doesn't matter what program you go through. It doesn't matter. Until you confess your sin, you, it is impossible for you to get your joy back. It is impossible for you to feel guilty and joyful at the same time. But this is an easy fix. Admit it, confess it, ask for forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and move on. Amen? It's easy. The resurrection of Jesus was to remove the guilt from your life. And there's no reason to go with guilt. Just confess it. There's no reason for you to carry around all this stuff. Just confess it. Accept God's forgiveness and walk in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Lamentations 3.40. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return unto the Lord. This is so important. Examine your life. 
In other words, what's caused me to lose my joy? Test. What are the kill joys in my life that, that are just, they, I, I'm just not, I, I'm not taking care of them. Or maybe it's someone else. Or maybe it's a grudge. Or maybe it's an, well, I don't know. But you test. And then the third one is this, return to the Lord. Just hit the reset button from the inside out. Return to the Lord. The third way that we can recapture our joy, find our joy again, is, what, is to obey God's commands. This is, this is a big one. You can obey God's commands. James 4.17 says this, it is sin. Everyone say sin. Ooh, that's a scary word. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We, for many of us, sin is something you do. James said sin is something you don't do. It's both. can be both. This thing with sin causes you to lose your joy. Just so Jesus rising from the dead was about him resurrecting joy in our life. But if we willfully engage in sin and don't do what we know is right, then we have made the choice to forfeit joy. And it robs, our choices rob us of our joy. So here's the question for you today. What has God told you to do, but you haven't started doing it yet? What has God told you to do, but you haven't started doing it yet? This is not just about sin. Okay. I want to focus just for a moment on the promptings of the Holy Spirit and the promptings of God that we do or don't do, obey or don't obey. When God lays something on your heart to do and you don't do it, according to this scripture, now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to come down on you, I'm just, I'm, I, want us to, I want us to understand the importance of obeying God. I want you to walk in joy. When God speaks to us to do something, yes, he's gracious, yes, he's kind, yes, many, it doesn't mean he speaks, you've got to do it right now. There's usually a process, there's usually all of this. But if we ultimately resist what he asks us to do, what is that called? Can we say that word? What's that called? Sin. It's called sin. So when God says something, maybe it seems difficult, and you think, man, this is too hard. It doesn't make sense. Or you know he's asked you to do something, but you've chosen not to do this. Anytime that you find yourself in those situations, you will also find your joy is depleting. It's obeying God in the little things. Here's what's very interesting about obeying God in the little things. You can even suffer persecution from other Christians because you just can't live in the gray areas like they can. And you feel the prompting of God to hold the line. No, 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 I'm, I'm not going to cross one toe over that line. I'm not going to do that. Other people may have done it that way. But when God tells you to do it a certain way, that's what you're responsible for according to the Scripture. You're responsible. You're responsible. You're, you are responsible to do something the way God's asked you to do. For some people, it's maybe permissible. If it doesn't violate Scripture, sometimes it's, it's, it's permissible. But when God tells you to do it this way, that's what you're responsible for. If you hear His voice and you know that's what you're supposed to do and you don't do this, listen, this is a big one for me. 
Because there are some, things aren't always black and white, but it is about following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I'd have to say, if, if, I, if I'm standing up here and I feel like the Lord speak to me to, to talk about a particular um, issue that feels uncomfortable, and I think that's too uncomfortable, I'm not going to do that. You know what that is? That's sin. I'm, I'm responsible for that. And yes, God, in his graciousness, Lord, I'm sorry. God, help me. Give me the courage. Give me the grace to continue. That's just one little thing. That's just here in front of you. There are many little things in all of our lives. As you hold the line of what God's called you to hold, you're going to suffer persecution, not just from the world, but from even other Christians at times. It's not always easy. But who wants easy? Remember this. This is very important. Every compromise will lead to another compromise. You might think, no, that's not true. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, as from the South, it will, one compromise will always lead to another compromise. Jesus gives us the power, though, to be obedient, but he doesn't make us do it. The key to abundant joy is obeying God's commands. Every time you do what God tells you to do, I want you to hear this. Every time you do what God tells you to do, your life is going to be filled with joy. Every time you ignore him, you're going to lose some of your joy. So God has given us commands in the Bible on how to live our lives. Many seem to be the opposite of human nature. Anybody ever found that? That when you follow God, you're like, gosh, this goes against what I want to do. It's called dying to your flesh. Like this one. Forgive and pray for your enemies. That's ridiculous. I don't want to do that. You might say, I want to slap my enemies. I'm not going to pray for them. Well, here's the deal. God's more concerned about your heart than he is about your revenge. Another one is give 10% of your income back to me through the church. This is called a tithe. This will, and God says this will honor me and show faith. Well, we would all say God doesn't need my money. I agree. He does not need your money. He doesn't need my money. It's true. But God wants what that money represents is your heart. I don't want to do that. that is a, I, I could use that 10% and go on, a, go on a, a vacation, a better vacation. Yes, you could. It's your choice. Another one is this, save sex for marriage. This doesn't seem natural. But I'm attracted. I, I, I have a sex drive. Uh, yeah. So does everyone else on the planet. But God knows what will keep you safe. God knows what will keep you from having a broken heart. God knows what will keep others from having a broken heart. God knows what will set you up so that you can have a healthy marriage. God knows all of this. So why would God want us to obey his commands? John 15, 10 says this. He says, if you keep my commands, this is Jesus, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. Now look at this. I have told you this so that my what? Joy may be in you and that your what? Joy may be complete. If you keep my commands, you will have joy. 
It will be in you, and my joy will be made complete in you. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the power to keep God's commands, but our choice to obey opens us up to experience the joy of God. The Bible is the owner's manual to living a joy-filled life. The more you obey God's word, the more joy you're going to have in your life. Are you guys with me this morning? I know, I know I'm hitting some of these. They're, they're, they're kind of bumping us a little bit this morning. And I, and, and I know that, but I'm okay with that. Because we need to be bumped sometimes. This is, this is the word of God. I, this, this, is our, this is our plumb line. I'm not the plumb line. The Bible is. And so this whole idea is that it's the owner's manual. And you can't obey. Actually, you cannot obey and have thrills. And you can have them all day long, all kinds of thrills. But you won't have joy. You won't have joy. The world has mistaken thrills for joy. Even Christians do it as well. We want joy. So you can, you can choose, actually, how much joy you want in your life. It's actually quite remarkable. Depends on how much that we can obey. And here's the deal. The resurrection power of Jesus, this isn't to, to, to throw a weight on you or a, or a yoke on you. But the resurrection power of Jesus gives us the power to obey him. It gives us the power. It gives us the grace to, to, to crucify our flesh and make a decision to follow him. We just have to make a decision. Say, God, God help me to obey you. The fourth thing, the fourth thing that, that can help us find our joy again is remember the good things in my life. Stay focused on what is good. Stop focusing on all the problems, all the negative things, all my fears, what you don't have, what has happened. And start thinking about what God has done. Thinking about the times that he has forgiven you. Think about the times that he believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. Think about the times that, that he has a plan for you and he gently draws you along so that you can fulfill his plan. That as you confess and stay before him, he continues to lead you and guide you because he knows you're human. He doesn't expect you to be God. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He just expects you, if you want joy, to rely on him. Remember the good things. Psalm 126.3 says this, The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with what? Joy. David remembered the good things. The more you focus on what God has done in your life, the more joy you will have in your life because it produces gratitude inside of you. Did you know that actually gratitude is one of the healthiest human emotions? Studies have shown that more, the more grateful a person is, the more emotional healthy that they are in everyday life. The opposite is also true. The more ungrateful, the more emotional unhealthy you are as well. Make a list of what you're grateful for. Write it down. It's like the old hymn that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Come on, you, come on. Count your blessings, name them Good. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Hang, hang. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Give yourself a hand. Come on, good job, good job. <laughs> Philippians 4.8 says this, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is... 
admirable, sorry about that. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about what's good. Think about what God's doing in your life, and you will feel your joy meter tick up a few, a few notches. And the last one is this, and it's a very simple one. How to find your joy again. That's the big one. It's easy. Well, it actually feels very hard to do, and I understand. It's number five. Tell someone about Jesus. I'm telling you, if you get your life on a mission that you're going to tell someone about Jesus, it's going to transform your life. It's going it's to alter the way you see your life. You're going to say, I'm on a mission. You wake up in the morning, it's not all about you. It's about you telling someone about Jesus. Nothing will restore your joy faster than becoming concerned about the salvation of a friend, about the salvation of a co-worker, about the salvation of your neighbor. This is why Luke 15, 7 says this. Come on. This is what it says. There is joy in heaven over one sinner who changes his heart and life. There is joy in heaven over one sinner who chooses to follow Jesus. The angels celebrate. They throw a party. And every time that you're, you are looking for that opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, to show love to someone in the name of Jesus, to share, listen, I'll be praying for you. Listen, I'm a Christian. I know you're going through a hard time. God has hope for you. Anytime that you're looking like that, your joy meter is going to pick up. My friends, I want God to make our church the most joyous, giddy church on the planet. I want all of you to experience joy in a fresh new way. And that there are some practical things that we can do to live in this joy through the resurrection power of Jesus. Is it easy? No. But does the resurrection of power, uh, resurrection power of Jesus help us? Absolutely it does. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.